Well, I am Sullivan Shelton. You might know me by Sully. Uh, I was a senior at Johns Creek High School last year right up the road. I also attended UMS Wright uh, Preparatory School uh, down in Mobile, Alabama for one year. Uh, I ran, or here's a picture of my beautiful family on graduation night, yay, go Glads. <laughs> uh, I ran track and long jumped in particular, so that's me flying through the air a little bit. <laughs> I ran cross country also, played soccer, and ran a little bit of indoor track. Uh, I love the outdoors and my Jeep, and especially getting it stuck in mud frequently. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, I also like uh, fishing, hunting, running, playing with drums, and video games. Big fan of those. All right, uh, I'm going to open us in a word of prayer. If you'll bow your head. Dear Lord, thank you for this day that you've given us, and just please help calm my nerves, because we both know I can't do this alone up here. Uh, anything these kids need to hear, please speak through me. And anything that just comes from me, help it be washed from their minds because they don't need to hear that. Uh, help my pride not become boastful because it's only through you that I can stand up in front of these people and give my testimony. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So the title of my talk is The Ever-Faithful God. Now let me... Let me give you a question. Have you ever felt that God wasn't faithful or didn't care about you? Maybe it was when your parents got a divorce or maybe you didn't make a sports team that you expected to. Well, one of my friends grew up a lot like me from a wealthy family, very athletic, very uh, intelligent, very just great, well-rounded person. And... He, you know, got into high school, and then once he hit that age, he kind of got into drugs, sex, all the bad things you could imagine, partying, and he decided he was going to live life the way he wanted to, even after his great upbringing. He decided he was going to do what he wanted to. So he went to his parents and said, I'm leaving. I'm not going to be with you guys anymore and I'm going to need some money, and I'm going to leave and not be with you guys at all. So he took his money, and he left, and he got an apartment on his own, and he threw parties all the time and lived life exactly how he wanted to live it. So after a while, this he was running low on money, running low on friendship, and running low on morale. And he found himself at the lowest of the low and out of money, especially. So, he had a decision to make. He could either keep trying to live on his own and fail, or he could go back to his parents. So after a while of thinking, the decision got made for him. He got kicked out of his apartment because he could no longer pay the rent. So he went back to his family and knocked on the door. And his father answered the door and opened it, and he was like, Dad, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have left you guys. I should have stayed with the family, and I'm so sorry for leaving you. And his dad, with outstretched arms, 
welcomed him back into the family and through a huge party. So anyways, if you haven't gotten it by now, this is the story of the prodigal son. And it ends like this. Luke 15, 32. This is a wonderful time that we had to celebrate. This brother of yours was dead and he's alive. He was lost and he's found. Now the story of the prodigal son relates a lot to my life. And I'll touch on that throughout. But also, my life is a lot like a noose. And you're going to find out why soon. So being raised in a Christian family, I was always forced to go to church, wake up early, and sit in the big room right down the hallway. If you're anything like me, You fell asleep every day in that big church and got nothing out of it. And so after going to big church for a while, my parents decided they were going to get me involved in a discipleship group. So I said, all right, let's get involved in a discipleship group. And I met some of the best guys I'll ever meet. Ben Butler, Houston Ernest, David Collins, You'll hear David talk a little later this week. And we all just formed a community, and it was a great community in which we could all bond and search for God. But as I got even older, I realized that Christianity was a personal thing, something that I was going to have to look into for myself, something that I was going to have to research. So I began praying constantly. I began praying for God to show himself, to show me what Christianity was. And I didn't hear anything. Little middle schooler didn't know what was going on. And I was still at the state in the uh, prodigal son story where I was at home. And I was with my father. And I was still pursuing God as hard as I could. And as much as I knew about it. But I struggled with one thing in particular, and that was accepting God's grace, something that I didn't work for at all, that I didn't deserve in the slightest. And accepting something that I didn't deserve was so hard. So I began to tie the noose of my life. So in middle school, I had two friends two separate encounters. So, the first one. I sat next to a friend, let's call her Alexa, in French class. And Alexa was someone that I could get deep with, someone that I could talk about my feelings with, someone that I could be real with all the time, someone that cared about me and that I cared about them. And we sat next to each other every day in French class. So one day she walks in. She's acting a little weird. Doesn't say much today. Doesn't really look at me very much, honestly. So being the annoying middle schooler, I'm poking her, trying to get something out of her, but nothing. I don't get anything. So the bell rings, and she darts out of this room as fast as she could. 
And this was my best friend at the time. And it's a little shaking when your best friend doesn't talk to you, doesn't do anything. And then she just leaves like that. So I tried not to make a huge deal about it. I tried to just let it go down and not make a big deal. But I just couldn't get it out of my mind that she was acting so weird. So anyways, later that night, I found myself brushing my teeth and getting ready for bed. And I hopped into bed and fell asleep for about 30 minutes. Woke back up covered in sweat. And I am not a sweaty sleeper, normally. But this particular time, I woke up covered in sweat and super emotional. More emotional than I've ever been in my life. I could not stop crying for some reason. So I hopped out of bed and got down on my knees and I thought I would pray about it because I was still in the prodigal son state where I was at home and I was with my father. And as I was praying, I asked God to calm my nerves. I asked him to give me some kind of sign as to why my emotions were all out of whack. And he answered me right there. He gave me one name. It was Alexa. So for some reason, Alexa's name was in my mind. So I began to pray for her. I began to pray for her safety. I began to pray for whatever reason that her name popped in my mind, I was praying for her. And after I finished praying, I felt a little better. I decided I was going to go back to sleep. So the next day rolls around. And I come into French class and sit next to Alexa as usual. For about five minutes, Alexa doesn't say anything. And then our teacher begins to teach. And Alexa turns to me, makes sure I have eye contact with her. And she says, Sully, I tried to kill myself last night. But on the way down, the rope snapped and I fell to the floor of my closet. I don't know if you guys have encountered a situation like this where one of your best friends wants to take their life. But it's pretty shaking. And to know that I was praying with her earlier that day just crazy. The fact that maybe if I was raised in a different household and I wasn't a Christian, that she might not be with us today. So later on, I found myself in ninth grade at a new school down in Mobile, Alabama, trying to find a place. And I had this friend, Matthew. And we had weight training together, and it was the last period of the day. And as normal ninth graders, we did everything in our power not to lift any weights at all. Because, I mean, we were cross-country runners. We're not supposed to lift weights. We're supposed to be scrawny kids. So we left our class to run laps around the track. Fun, right? So this particular day, he wasn't talking very much. 
we didn't exchange very many words. And then once the class period ended, he said he had to go to the restroom. And I was like, okay, I'll go back to the weight training room. And I didn't see him in the locker room when I went back there. But later that night, I was on Xbox. And me and Matthew were playing some zombies. And all of a sudden, he just logs off. Doesn't say anything about it. No rhyme or reason why. So anyways, I just decided I was going to get off too. So I got ready for bed and hopped in. I fell asleep till about 1 or 2 in the morning. I woke up around 1 or 2 in the morning covered in sweat. Something that doesn't happen very frequently. And I was emotional. And I could not hold back my tears for some reason. So I decided I was going to hop out of my bed, get down on my knees and pray. I prayed for God to calm my emotions and calm my nerves and to send me some kind of message for why this was happening. And he did. He sent me one name, and it was Matthew. So I began to pray for Matthew. I began to pray for his safety. I began to pray that I would see him another day. So the next day, I wake up, and I hop back on Xbox. And I see Matthew's on. So I invite him to a party. Now I can see his mic's plugged in, but he's not saying anything. And for about five minutes, Matthew said nothing. After that five minutes, I began to hear a little whimper, a little crying. And it gets louder and louder and louder. Until through his stuffy nose, and I'm sure tear-dripping eyes, he says, Sully, I tried to kill myself last night. But the rope snapped, and I fell to the floor. Now, that's two times that God has used me specifically to help two of my friends from this thing right here. This almost took two of my friends. But luckily, God was looking out for them, and he worked through me. So that was when I had affirmation that God was up there. God was looking out for all of us. So at this point, you'd think I'd be a pretty good Christian, right? God's working through me. God knows who I am. No. I ran away from God as fast as I possibly could. I tried to fit in at school, and I took drastic measures in trying to get friends and fit in into a school that I knew nothing about, that I was new. And I realized that God wasn't being silent, that I hated God for some reason. 
I turned my back and went the other direction as fast as I could, as fast as I possibly could. If I wanted to smoke, man, I smoked. If I wanted to drink, you better believe I was drinking. If I wanted to have sex, I did it. Whatever I wanted to do, I did it. I didn't care about God. I didn't care about the rules he had for me. I was going to live life the way I wanted to. And at this point, I was at the prodigal son state where he was running away from his father and going out and deciding his life and his plan was better than God's. So when you make God the enemy, good things no longer happen. So needless to say, depression ensued. I've never been at a lower point in my life than when I was struggling with depression. The point when you no longer think that your life's worth living is a deeply shaking and resonating feeling. When you stay up late nights and you can't even think about why you want to wake up the next morning, you don't care about your family, the ones that care the most about you, you don't want to know that feeling. I was ashamed of everything I had done. I couldn't think of a possible way that God could use me. There's no way he could use someone as torn up as me. So needless to say, my noose was making headway and it was on its way to completion. The further I struggled down depression, man, it got bad. I looked for outlets to my inner turmoil. I looked further into drinking. I looked further into drugs. And I had no regrets whatsoever for anything I did. But one thing I did notice was I was becoming less and less happy every day. It's kind of ironic, I'd say. I began cutting a cross into my wrist. So after I was struggling down the path of depression, my girlfriend couldn't handle it anymore. And I don't blame her. There's no reason she should have stayed close to me at all. So I began idolizing her above God. And when you put earthly things above God, they will always disappoint you every single time. And I really didn't think life was worth living without her. But Gold Rush 2014 rolled around, and I was utterly unprepared. And I thought God was going to smite me here. I had been living a life of sin, and only sin. And I couldn't imagine why God would make this a good situation for me. 
But I was fortunate enough to meet a role model that year. I was fortunate enough to meet someone who just emanated the love of God to everyone. Her name was Leah Renberger. And you're going to hear her next here. And you better pay attention because it's going to be a good one. I can promise you that. Her faith is where I would love to be. But I just, I'm not there yet. I'm not ready for it. I'm not ready for that kind of faith. But I learned so much from this girl. I learned so much about grace. I learned so much about God. And I knew exactly what he wanted for me. But you know what I did? I decided I was still going to live the life that I wanted to live. And me and Leah stopped hanging out. And I blamed God for every bit of it, for sending me back into this horrible life that I was living and taking away the one good influence that I had. Deeper into depression, I fell. You better believe. Problems with my ex-girlfriend escalated so much. And I had no reason to live. I had no purpose to be on this earth. And I tried to end my life more times than I would like to admit. The noose that I thought I would save my friends from was firmly strapped around my neck and I was ready to fall. But you know what? God had a different plan for me. God did not want that to happen. So you know what he did? He reached into my life and decided, no, that is not going to be the end of me. That's not how I'm going to go. Now, Matthew 8, 22 states, Jesus refused. First things first, your business is life, not death. Follow me and pursue life. And then he later goes on to state in Matthew 8, or I guess that's before, uh, Matthew eight seventeen. He fulfilled Isaiah's well-known sermon. He took our illnesses, he carried our diseases. Now I'm going to read this one more time. He took our illnesses and he carried our diseases. He certainly took mine. I never thought I would ever get out of depression. I never could have imagined a situation where I did not want to end my life. But God had a different plan for me. God decided he was going to assert himself into my life no matter how hard I tried to do the opposite. And I realized that all I needed to do was accept God's grace and love him with all my heart. That's all I had to do. Sometimes the simplest choice is the most unlikely solution to a train wreck of a life. You 
Your walk with God is the most important thing in your life. And you will always have ups and downs. Always. And the key to repentance is remembering you will mess up every time. You might not mess up for the same reasons. You might not take the same sins, but you will mess up over and over and over again. But you're going to revisit God. And you're going to have a different mindset every time. But each and every time you revisit God, he'll be sitting there with his arms open waiting for you because he is the ever faithful God. Now, there are four people in this audience that I would like to give a call to action to. The first one are the people that haven't gone through hardships. Maybe they're too young. Maybe they don't realize it. But if you're in that, in, in that group of people, take a step towards God every day. Every day of your life, take a step towards God because that's the most important thing. Second is the group of people that has had unfortunate things happen to them. Kids get cancer. Kids' parents get divorces. Bad things happen to people that don't deserve it. And please, if this happens to you, don't blame God. Thank him for every blessing he's ever given you. Thank him for life. Thank him for anything you can. The third group is the kid in the middle of the struggle. And if you're there, you need to turn and repent and get out as quickly as you possibly can and pursue better things with your time because we both know they're out there. Now the fourth group is the kid who's gotten through all of that and is chasing God with arms wide open. And to that kid, I want to say, keep living and loving and taking a step towards God every day of your life because there is nothing more important than your walk with God. Because he truly is the ever-faithful God. Now I'm going to end us in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for calming my nerves up here. And thank you for speaking through me. There's not a chance I would ever imagine a situation where I could get up in front of these kids and adults and give my testimony without you right beside me, without you speaking through me. And anything that came from me and not you, please, God, erase it from their memory because they don't want that but anything you spoke through me 
Help them remember it forever. Help it change their lives. Help them not go down the same path that I did because no one wants to go down it. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak to all these kids. In Jesus' name, amen.